Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It is December 3rd, 2020, and this is episode 59. Well, I know many of you out there are thinking, where's the podcast been? It's been many weeks. I don't think there's been an episode out since mid to late October. We last interviewed David Williams, and there's been no content since then. And unfortunately, the, the podcast has been on a bit of a hiatus. We're not going away. I still plan on continuing in January with weekly episodes, and we're going to continue this program uh, because I love the sport of hydrogen racing, and uh, I want to see how, how much further we can take this podcast. But we are in a bit of a hiatus. School's been really busy for me. Uh, many of you know out there that I am a school teacher. That's my, my, my daytime job. It's turned into a daytime and nighttime job, I feel like. We're teaching remotely now because of COVID. <clears throat> we're trying to self-isolate, quarantine, social distance, all that stuff. So we're teaching from home. All of our students are home. And we're trying to, I'm trying to teach via computers, via Zoom. And man, it's been, this has been a busier year for me as a teacher than any, all of my other years. Um, it's amazing to me how, how much time and energy it takes to get probably half or even less than half of outcome than it would be if it was in person. It's not an ideal year. If you have teachers that are friends or if you have teachers, if you know teachers, just know that they're doing the best that they can right now. It's not an ideal situation. We don't we don't make the decisions on it, but we're trying to make it the best that we can for our students. We love our students. We want to do everything we can to support them, and it doesn't quite feel like enough right now um, that we're doing for them. But we're we're trying everything we can because we want this to be a meaningful year. Um, we want to make well, we want to make all years meaningful for students, but now especially more than ever. So if you have that friend or know someone who's a teacher, maybe maybe tell them. Uh, kudos for for some good work they're doing right now because it's it's kind of a rough year for that. But anyways, uh, I've been sidetracked with my work uh, as a school teacher, and it is that time of year. It's off season. It's holidays, so it's kind of busy with family and and getting all the stuff done for holidays. So we're taking a little bit of a break here. We're still talk, but we will be back in January to have uh, back to weekly episodes, um, so you can look for that, our weekly contents every Tuesday. All right, I want to do this this episode for a couple of reasons, and one was to tell let you know I'm still here, still planning on getting more content out in 2021. But also, 2020 has been a pretty crappy year, uh, to, to say it bluntly. Right? It's we have COVID, we've got the political divide in the nation, which I won't go into any further. Uh, we've got a lot of got a lot of hardships around the country, a lot, around the, a lot of hardships around the world right now. And it's kind of a, it's just a really bleak year, really bleak time, it feels like. And unfortunately, in the, in the sport of hydroplane racing, it's no different. We had very little to no racing at all. H1 wasn't able to get any races out there. Uh, we had, I think, one test session for Unlimiteds. Um, a few of the GP classes were able to test, but there was really no racing. It was not a typical year at all in any, in any state. Unfortunately, there was some other blows to the sport. The sport of hydroplane racing lost a few iconic people this year. I know I'm going to forget a few people on this list, so please bear with me and, and I apologize in advance for missing some people because we lost a lot of important people this year. 
But most notably, off the top of my head, I can think of legendary racer Scott Pierce. Now, Scott, he was a hell of a man. He was a great person. He was an ambassador for the sport of hydroplane racing. And he was a tough racer. He raced many different classes. And in the limited ranks, he got to race for some pretty top dollar spots with Budweiser and Pringles and had some iconic wins over his years. He was a great voice for the GP Racing Series. I know he brought a couple of venues to light. He owned his own racing team, got some wins, and got some new drivers into that, that series. And he's going to be really missed this next year in racing GPs because he had his own team. Uh, he had a winning team that always was a force to reckon with when he went to the, the races with them. We also lost Brian Wagle, Seattle native, Boeing test pilot, he raced limited hydroplanes in the 1950s, most notably for the Thriftway 2. Another Seattle native that was lost this year was Pat O'Day. Pat O'Day, longtime Seattle native, huge name in the Seattle area for not only hydroplane racing, but for other radio endeavors. Pat O'Day owned his own race team for some time. He brought a female driver into the sport. Um, he tried as, most, as much as he could to promote the sport of hydroplane racing in any capacity. He was a great broadcaster, broadcasted the Seafair races for many, many years, and is another, another person that the sport uh, has lost this year. Now, these people all deserve their own podcast episodes. They, they deserve much more than that. But I want to bring to light another person that was lost for the sport of hydroplanes. Last week, we lost another fan and friend of the sport. Harry Gatchins passed away at the age of 66 from Edmonds, Washington. Now, he was a lifelong fan of hydroplane racing, and he's not a household name. He's not a, a Scott Pierce name, Bernie Little. He's not a name that is known in the household of every hydroplane fan. But that doesn't mean he was any lesser of a person or human being. He was a great person. He was a collector, enthusiast, fan, and he was even a supporter of hydroplane racing. Now, there's a lot of people that go behind the scenes that are unnoticed. They help the sport where they can and love the sport despite all of its imperfections. And Harry was this man. He really embodied the baby boomer generation growing up around the Seattle area from the 50s and 60s that really fell in love with hydroplane racing. He grew up towing boats behind his bike, collecting buttons, riding to his favorite teams like many kids did in the Seattle area. But it was his personality that really got him around to know the people around the sport. In the late 70s, he got more involved. And in 1980, he was able to make one of his dreams become a reality by sponsoring an unlimited hydroplane. He was able to convince the owner of a travel agent company that he worked for to sponsor a hydroplane racing in the Tri-Cities and Seattle leg of the H1 Tour for multiple years. The company saw a good amount of value by doing that in that time era in the early 80s, as they're able to sponsor a boat that was relatively low amount for money, and was yes, it was one of the slower teams, but they got their names out there and were able to get their names associated with the big boys, so to speak, such as Budweiser, Miller American, 7-Eleven, and Atlas Van Lines. Now, in 1986, Harry was interviewed about his time as a sponsor. Let's listen into that interview. Miller American cruising along again, a beautiful shot. As the old saying goes, speed costs money. How fast can you afford to go? 
sponsors pay a lot of money to do the races. Miller Brewing Company won't say what it spends, but John Walters, crew chief for the Miller American, estimates a top-line boat costs up to $250,000, turbine engines up to $60,000 apiece, plus a shop, crew, insurance, tools, transportation. That's a million dollars or more startup, and up to $750,000 a year to keep competing. To sponsor a competitive, not necessarily winning boat locally, expect to spend anywhere from $5,000 to $200,000. Prize money doesn't come near to covering the cost of racing. The attraction is name recognition, and it's all tax deductible. Hydroplane racing is really the only thing that you can really sponsor where they refer to what you're racing as Kawaguchi Travel Service as opposed to Mario Andretti. Gatchers managed the Kawaguchi travel service boat from 1980 to 85. It never won a race, but people began to know Kawaguchi. We had people going out calling on businesses, and one of the things in order to get somebody to let you in the door is they have to know who you are. And you'd say Kawaguchi, and they'd say, oh yeah, you guys had the hydroplane. But the millions spent by Miller and Budweiser on speedy turbine engines may threaten this marketing tool. Turbine engine boats overwhelmingly beat out piston engine boats, and thus the races are less competitive. Read that boring, a turnoff to potential consumers. There's been talk of creating two divisions for the different types of unlimited racing engines. I think if they had separated the high-budget high boats from the low-budget boats, we probably wouldn't have been interested in doing it, because one of the reasons we got in it is it got us associated with the people who were the best in what they did. Um, and if we were in some other class, it'd be like, you aren't as good. And what we wanted to do was be associated with the, with the big buck people. Harry was not able to be a part of that sponsorship deal again after that season in 1985 and into the late 80s. He changed jobs and was no longer working for a company that could be persuaded into the sponsorship of hydroplanes and did not see the value. But that didn't mean he gave up on his hydroplane passion. Around that same time frame, he began to know the sport of 1-8 scale radio-controlled hydroplanes. Now, this wasn't as much of a sport as it was a hobby, but to him, that was no different. He was a longtime hydroplane fan and really idolized the Miss Budweiser organization and Bernie Little and saw this as a way to play, pay tribute to that team. He began racing scale models of the Miss Budweiser and actually purchased a Budweiser that my father built of the 1986 Miss Budweiser Bubble Bud hydroplane. This was his first model that he began to race for 1-8 scale racing and had quite a blast doing it. He continued to race, and then through, through the early 1990s, scale and limited hydroplane racing became quite a big deal in the Pacific Northwest area. There were several clubs in the area that raced RC scale models, but he belonged to a club called RC Unlimiteds. They had over 100 members in Washington and Oregon alone. They raced all over Washington and Oregon, and for a few years, raced in a man-made lake in the parking lot of the Kingdom, where the Seattle Seahawks and Mariners both played with a lot of help and work put on by race promoter Steve Lampson. Anyways, RC Unlimiteds had a TV show that was run on local Seattle public access. Harry was a part of that show that was mainly put on by Don Mock and his wife Kathy. They released several episodes in the early 1990s. Now listen in to Harry as he describes the club to the viewers of the show. Welcome to This Month in RC Hydros. My name is Don Mock. And I'm Harry Gatchens. Well, this is our fourth show about the sport of RC 1-8 scale unlimited hydroplane racing. And tonight we're going to be seeing some footage of our 
three recent races we've had over in Ellensburg, and we went down to Portland, then went up to Spokane for our Diamond Cup. We'll see some footage of that. Now, if you uh, have missed any of our shows and you wonder what this is all about, Harry, Harry's going to give you a quick recap here about the sport of 1-8 scale unlimited hydroplane racing, and then we'll get to our program. Harry. Hey, the show's all about our club, which is called RC Unlimited. We're a bunch, a group of guys that race 1-8 scale replicas of real unlimited hydroplanes past and present. We have a 14-race circuit throughout Washington, Oregon. Uh, we get about 40 boats at a race. There's 100 members of the club that race over 125 different boats. Uh, we have a season high point race, just like the Real Unlimiteds do, and we run our races in the same same manner as the Real Boats do. We have elimination heats, followed by winner-take-all final heat. Uh, we've had four races since our last show that we're going to tell you about tonight, and we have a tape of that ready to go. So. Harry continued to race RC models for many, many more years after that show was released, with some success. During that time, he also helped the Hydroplane and Race Boat Museum as he was a treasurer on their board of directors from around 1995 to around 2005. His area of expertise was with numbers as his normal job was as an accountant. So he helped to hand out to the Hydroplane Museum where he could in his area of expertise. He also gave back to the sport of hydroplane racing as a news journalist for the newspaper My Edmonds News. For the past 10 plus years, he wrote articles for the sports sections of My Edmonds News to report on unlimited hydroplane racing on the H1 circuit, but mainly he followed two local teams to the city of Edmonds. The two closest teams to Ed in Edmonds were the U11 Unlimited Racing Group as well as the U440 bucket list racing teams. He followed both teams and reported racing results, boat news, and rumors throughout the racing year. Finally, Harry was actually very instrumental in getting this podcast going. When I talked about the idea of my podcast with him, he was very supportive from day one. He wanted to see me do this and follow my dream of getting a podcast about hydroplane racing out there. He did several things behind the scenes to help me in getting my podcast started, going, get making connections with different racers and figuring out some different technologies for recording podcasts. And I'll forever be grateful for the help that he gave me to get this podcast started. Harry, you will be missed. Rest in peace, my friend.